thank you for your presence. Lord, it's in your presence there's fullness of joy. In your presence, the mountains will melt like wax. And Lord, just the fact that we're here, or even together online, Lord, we're believing for those that are in their homes or in their cars, that you're there with them right now. That you'll speak to their hearts, you'll speak to our hearts. We just want to say we love you. We welcome you. And we want to declare, as we've sang already, you're a good father. You're a good, good God. And we just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. God is good. Give each other some virtual high fives and virtual hugs or whatever the case may be. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you might have noticed, Pastor John and Pastor Linnell are not here today. And they have been uh, pretty much in the pulpit, Pastor John has, since this thing started, which, man, how long are we going on this thing now? Five months or something? But uh, I was just thinking, I was actually the one that spoke uh, the first message online. The thing had just started, was trying to figure out what was going on, and I spoke that, and I'm just uh, honored to be here today. But I'm going to talk to you a message uh, entitled Crisis. Uh, my second title would be Riding the Storm Out. For you old uh, rock and roll guys, that was an Ariel Speedwagon song back in the day, and Ariel Speedwagon actually is a car for you young ones, because I'm kind of into the car guy thing. But the definition of ride the storm, ride out the storm, what that means is to deal with a difficult situation without being harmed or damaged. Amen? And I not only want to just say uh, a message uh, riding out the storm, but really as a Christian, thriving out the storm. We ought to be able to not only survive, but to actually thrive in the midst of this storm. So does anybody have a Bible? Good to have during these times. Let's see a little bit. Or an electronic device? With the Bible on it, shake them a little bit, make the bookstores glad and the devil mad, and let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. I don't know if you quite get it or not. This is a weapon, right? Well, then repeat after me if you believe that. Say, this Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, sin deflector, faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap so I know I'm in the right place. Patrick, amen. Thank you, Jesus. So how do we respond in a crisis? How do we survive? How do we thrive? First of all, kind of a reminder, in the United States, there's been a crisis every decade basically, every 10 years or so. You can go all the way back to the Great Depression of 1929. The first warning was a stock market bubble during the Roaring Twenties, and then in 29, it crashed and wiped out the life savings of millions of people. And, one, and there's always a different cause for these things, but one of the causes of uh, the Depression, in the, the Great Depression, was the Dust Bowl, a decade-long drought that contributed to contributed to famine and homelessness. And you look, I mean, literally walls would just darken the sky of dirt that would come in. And sometimes from Oklahoma, it'd go all the way to New York. It was just devastating. And it would actually drift like snow. My dad grew up in the Depression in South Dakota. I got friends in Nebraska that uh, were the older crowd that literally the dust would just seep in through their windows. And you had to wear, you know, masks of some sort back then too. So uh, and there were a lot of respiratory disease, and people died because of that. But it was very devastating 10 years for America. High, uh, house prices fell 
And then you can move on through World War II or the 50s or the Vietnam War in the 60s. Then you get to the 70s. Uh, there was an oil embargo that started a, a, a crisis. There was gas shortages. Does anybody remember the long gas lines and the prices going up? Uh, it, it was just crazy. As a matter of fact, car manufacturers really changed the way they designed cars. They were getting smaller cars, started getting better mileage. And man, the, the days of the fun horsepower cars of the 60s and the first uh, maybe couple years of the 70s were out the window. And it was all low, low horsepower and trying to get more mileage out of them. But there was double-digit inflation, unemployment peaked. And then in 1981, that recession, uh, the high interest rates caused the worst recession of the Great since the Great Depression. It was terrible. Then 1989, you got savings and loan crisis. And then 2001, 9-11, you got the two attacks that destroyed the World Trade Towers. Closed New York Stock Exchange uh, for six days till September 17th. And when it reopened, the Dow dropped 617 points without any warning to the general public. And so that was devastating. Then in 2008, the financial crisis, which started in 2006, where housing prices went down and all the mortgage defaults began to rise. And now we've got a virus. Uh, shutting down our economy, unemployment rising, businesses closing, even locally, things are tough. As a matter of fact, things are so tough. Is there any Johnny Carson people out there? Wave your hand if you remember. The audience would respond. We said, how hot is the house? So how hot is it? Or whatever the case may be. Well, things are so tough that local bakers have run out of dough. Clock manufacturers had to wind down. A shoe shop owner had to put his foot down and give his staff the boot. A tire shop went flat. A laundromat has been taken to the cleaners. A bra manufacturer has gone bust. I better move on quickly. The Heinz factory has been canned because they couldn't catch up with orders. All right. Aren't you glad you came to church? I mean, I was going so far downhill with all the gloom and doom. I figured I'd try to get us back up to sea level anyhow. So, how do Christians respond in the midst of crisis? You know, in our Bible ring, and I pray you're following along some sort of a Bible plan, get on ours, our app, or those little things in the back of the chair where you read two chapters a day. But just recently, we read Psalm 46. And I'm reading this out. I've been reading the Passion Version lately and just really speaking to me. But listen to what it says. Everyone look. Come and see the breathtaking wonders of our God. For He brings both ruin and revival. He's the one who makes conflicts end throughout the earth, breaking and burning every weapon of war. Surrender your anxiety. Be silent and stop your striving, and you'll see that I am God. I think in the, it's interesting. It says both ruin and revival. I think we're getting ready to see God in the midst of this thing. Because the thing about revival, it happens when things are almost dead. It happens when it's the darkest. Then God's light can come. As a matter of fact, it's getting so dark now that I'm telling you, if something happens, it's got to be God, doesn't it? And He's going to get the glory. You know, and now, and I really believe the Word of the Lord, first of all. Pastor Linnell had this word last week that said, this will be the church's greatest hour. And a guest speaker we had Wednesday night, Pastor Hal Holcomb from Assembly of God Church, who spoke Wednesday night, said the very same words. And I believe this is really going to be the church's greatest hour. And now we're be reading the book of Revelations. Is that encouraging? Uh, if you can make it out. But you think about it in a minute. We are so close to Jesus coming back. I really feel that. And if you read 1 Timothy 3, this pretty much describes the time we're in right now. It says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. 
People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, slanderous, uh, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, not lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but not denying the power, have nothing to do with them. I mean, is that kind of a picture of what's going on right now? And you know, if, if this whole time on earth is a clock and Jesus comes back at midnight, man, we have got to be minutes or seconds till the time he's coming back. When you read the book of Revelation, you know, it seems like it's about judgment and destruction. But when you read it with the revelation from the Holy Spirit, it's about rescue and renewal. For the Lamb of God has won and so have we. Amen? And it talks about all things becoming new. We're given a new name or a new nature. We all have a new song or a new message, a new Jerusalem, which is a realm of union with God, a new heaven or government, a new earth, or an order and expression of it. Read the end of the book. We win. We win. We really do. You need to read this thing. And you might say, well, Pastor Mike, well, what about now? Well, let's see what the Apostle Peter has to say when you look at 1 Peter and see what he has to say. I'm going to read uh, chapter 4, verses 7 through 11 out of the Passion Version. But let me first tell you as you're turning there uh, what Peter and other Christians were experiencing during this time. First of all, the Apostle Peter wrote 1 Peter in 64 A.D. And in six years, Jerusalem's basically going to be destroyed in 70 A.D. And so you look at... Uh, Historians like Josephus, a greatest Jewish historian, he said there were uh, 1,100,000 Jews that were murdered during that time. 97,000 were sold into slavery. So I would call that a difficult time, wouldn't you? So how should a Christian respond in the midst of a crisis? What's God's plan for you and me? Well, let's look at 1 Peter 4, 7. And the apostle wrote, we are approaching the end of all things. That's what he says. He knew destruction was coming. He knew the world was going to radically change. And in 1 Peter 4 through 7, he gives us some great advice on how to keep our priorities right in the midst of a crisis. And everybody needs grace, right, in the midst of a crisis, whether it's a global one or a personal one. And what's the worst crisis? Man, the one you're going through, right? I mean, just being honest, those are the things that really get our attention. And you might need grace right now. You might go through a difficult time, uh, maybe a difficult marriage right now. Maybe a frustration over a child that has wandered away. Others, it could be the challenge of raising a special needs child or wondering where your next house payment or car payment is going to come from. But Jesus told Peter his life mission after his resurrection would be to strengthen the faith of the believers worldwide. Jesus' letter in that, that we're going to read is a challenge to preserve, to be empowered, to overcome, to be encouraged, and to remain faithful. And that grace that Peter experienced, and think about that, he denied Christ three times, and there was a grace available for him. It's available for us. It can be imparted to us even right now. And historians show that Peter was crucified in Rome by Nero. And when he was going to be crucified, he asked and requested that he be crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy to be crucified the way his Savior was. And those soldiers actually respected Peter so much, they granted his request and he was crucified upside down. The very Peter that turned the world upside down with the gospel is now being crucified upside down for his faith. That's a powerful statement. Would you do that as a believer? As a, first, I asked that, would you do that as a Christian? Statistically, I doubt it. 
Because if we did a, uh, a survey and asked just in Texarkana how many people are Christian, we could get 95 to 97% of people say, oh, I'm a Christian. Does it kind of look like they're Christians out there? Well, I think a better word than Christian is, are you a believer? Believers do what this Bible says. They believe it. Like let's say uh, a believer and you're in the ocean and somebody yells shark, that gets your attention, right? And then you see that big fin and you're a believer to the point where you probably would have faith to not only walk on water but run on water to get out of there. I'm telling you, when you believe something, it causes you to act differently and respond differently. And as believers, there ought to be something different about us. There ought to be a change in our life. So Peter's advice in the midst of a crisis, when it starts in verse 7, since we are approaching the end of all things, be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. I want you to remember that. Uh, Other versions say be self-controlled or sober-minded. What's the opposite of sober-minded? Drunkenness. You know, uh, when you start drinking, it can just start going downhill from one bad decision to the next. Matter of fact, there was a, a guy driving the car that was stopped by a policeman, and when the policeman stopped him, he said, now, don't panic. He said, I'm actually, you're, we're in the middle of a contest, and I'm going to give $1,000 out to people who are wearing their seatbelts, and you are wearing your seatbelt. And I just congratulate you, you win $1,000. What are you going to do with that money? And he looks at the policeman and says, well, I think I'll study and get my driver's test. To which the wife sitting beside him responds, oh, don't worry about him. He gets a little uh, funny when he's been drinking a lot. And then the guy in the back seat wakes up and said, I thought there wouldn't be a problem if we stole a car. And then you hear a muffled voice from the trunk saying, have we crossed over the border yet? Things kind of went bad for... uh, That's why I didn't share that last night, I guess, okay? Clear thinking must be... A res- the result of the clear thinking, it must be an attitude of prayer. It's got to take us to the place of prayer. See, when your blood alcohol level gets up above a certain level, you're impaired. And that's what the, you know, the policemen are doing this test to see if you're legally impaired or not. But I begin to think about just our faith versus fear level in our, bo- in our spirit. You know, when that fear level gets above your faith level, you're impaired. You really are. It affects the way you think, the way you do things, even the way you parent. I really encourage you, sometimes we parent out of fear that we're so worried about, well, if I make my kid go to church, then he'll rebel. I mean, you got to make decisions out of faith and what's best for them and whatever the case may be. So clear thinking, very important. And Peter learned a lesson after his failure in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden, that's where Jesus faced his most difficult test. Uh, He was about to die physically and spiritually for the sins of his people. And the Father's wrath of our sins is going to be placed upon his son. Jesus passed the test and showed his disciples how to win the spiritual battle. He told them to pray. And when he went back, what were they doing? They were sleeping. And he said this in Mark 14, 38. Watch and pray so you may not enter into temptation. Watch means spiritually alert. We have to be spiritual alert during times of crisis. It's very, very important. As a matter of fact, here's some other situations where uh, you have to be spiritual alert. Unfulfilled expectations can bring great danger. Pastor preached about this a while back, Elijah, in 1 Kings 18. He won a great spiritual victory against the prophets of Baal, and then Jezebel refuses to surrender. Jerusalem refuses to repent, so Elijah's expectations were unfulfilled. He went into a great depression. 
And then you got times of rest and relaxation that are dangerous also. David rested instead of going to war, and he rose from a nap, looked over a wall, saw a beautiful woman named Bathsheba, and the rest is history. Certainly a crisis like we're in right now is a great danger. And we have to respond and be spiritual alert. And the way we respond is in prayer. Definitely need to be praying right now. Would anybody agree with me at all? Amen. Let's read this whole verse now. In 1 Peter 7, uh, verses 7 through 11. Since we are approaching the end of all things, be intentional. Remember that word. Purposeful and self-controlled so that you may be given to prayer. Another important word. Above all, constantly echo God's intense love. I'm going to come back to that. For one another, for love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. Be compassionate to foreigners without complaining. Every believer has received grace gifts so you can use them to serve one another as faithful servants of the many colored tapestry of God's grace. For example, if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking His words through you. If you have a gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength God gives you, so that in everything God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ, for to Him belong the power and the glory forever through all ages. Amen. Can anybody say amen to all that that Peter just said to us? Very timely right now. So I'm going to take that word crisis. It's going to be an acronym. It's going to be a little handle for you to take this message home. Hopefully remember it. And the C in the word crisis stands for clear thinking. That was part of that scripture. We need to be sober, not under the influence of fear and, and the media and all these other things, but we need to be sober-minded. We need to be clear thinking so it will drive us to a place of prayer. And the R stands for read the Word. One of the best ways to clear your mind out is with the washing of the water by the Word, running it over your mind, driving out those fears, beginning to reduce the mountains that the enemy has built up, and begin to realize how big God is, that there's nothing impossible for God. Begin to read His Word. Uh, are you reading the Word? You know, there was a pastor and his wife got invited to a member's house for a meal. They went over there for supper, and the wife sets out the nice china with the nice silverware from her grandmother, and they have this great meal, and she's washing dishes, and all of a sudden she realized, I'm missing a spoon. She tells her husband, I think that pastor took one of my spoons. He stole, and it really drove her, she's having a hard time with it. But she didn't say anything or confront him. But here's what happened. A year later, they come back for another meal. And they have their meal, and the wife just can't hold it. She says, Pastor, I have to ask you, did you take one of my spoons the last time you were here? And he said, well, yes, I did, and I put it in your Bible. Oh, are you reading your Bible? You need to read it. You need to memorize it. You need to declare it. The Bible says, take with you, in Hosea, take with you words and turn to the Lord. What better thing to pray with than the Word of God? I mean, declare it. When Jesus was tempted in Luke 4, how did he respond? He said, it is written. You got the very Word of God declaring the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word with, was with God, and the Word was God. It is God. Man, a powerful thing. Read your Word. Amen? The I in the word crisis is intercession or prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray. I'm telling you, that's when God is going to come and heal our land. He's going to break through. Say breakthrough. It's going to be through prayer. And it says, in everything, with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, 
that passes our understanding it will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Man, you need that, that prayer and that word to guard your heart. But there's nothing too small you can't pray about. There's nothing too big you can't pray about. You need to pray. Talk to God about it. Amen? The S in the word crisis is spiritual gifts. Say spiritual gifts. You know, for this to be the church's greatest hour, and I don't, Pastor, I don't know if I mentioned that at this service or not, but Pastor Linnell had that word of God. I believe the word of the Lord. She said, this will be the church's greatest hour. Matter of fact, our Wednesday speaker, uh, Hal Holcomb, said the same thing. And for this to be the church's greatest hour, we need to be full of the Spirit and operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And you might say, well, what is my gift? Well, first of all, you can go to our website, churchontherock.org. Go to the resource page. It might have changed a little bit, but... You click on there, it'll say spiritual gifts test. You answer a lot of questions, it'll give you a report back that'll tell you what your spiritual gifts are. Matter of fact, hopefully in August we'll have a connect class. Come to the connect class. We talk about spiritual gifts. You take that test, it gives a copy to our coaches, and they'll sit down with you and go over your spiritual gifts. But even more than just the gift of giving or serving or preaching, I'm talking about these power gifts that are available, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, you know, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Those are the things right now, man, we need to be operating in those things because it's getting dark out there. And a matter of fact, I'm going to kind of challenge this. I'm going to challenge me in this one. Does it say when Jesus sent out the disciples, he sent out the 72? Did he send them out to pray for the sick? He sent them out to heal the sick. That's a challenge to me. Man, believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Believers. Okay? That's our assignment. To raise the dead, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. That's what we're called to do. And that's challenging, especially when you pray for people and they don't get healed. But you know what? We're not the healer. The results aren't up to us. We're just to step out. You know, I haven't shot a basketball in a while, so it might take me five times, ten times, a hundred times, but I'm going to eventually make one. You pray for some, enough people, pretty soon somebody's going to get healed. Well, what if they don't get healed? Well, what if they do get healed? It's time to step out, and I believe this with all of my heart. We're in an hour where there is a revival stirring. And I believe it's going to be a revival of signs, wonders, and miracles. And I'm telling you, it's getting so dark, man. God wants to display His power because the enemy's sure showing His hand, isn't He? And man, what a time to be moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Man, just think, you're in the grocery store. You get a word of wisdom or knowledge that could literally change somebody's life. Just that little thought of word. But I'm telling you, it's time to start stepping out in those areas. Amen? Spiritual gifts. The word I is intentional, and I got several S words here we need to be intentional in. First of all, we need to be more intentional in our spiritual life. You need to be reading the Bible. You need to be praying. Journal. I encourage you, get you a little notebook and journal. We come in here on Wednesdays. My wife's got her journal out, just taking notes, saying things to God, listening to God. You know, I journal, and I need to do it a little more. But I'll write down things, prayer requests. I'll look back and say, man, God answered that prayer. Look how he did that. I had no idea how it was going to happen, but I had that journal to bring back that memory and build up my faith. Memorize Scripture. Declare Scripture. scripture. Be intentional with your spiritual life. Also, be more intentional in serving. Remember that Scripture? Every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. Don't bury your talents. Serve in church. Serve in our community. Serve your neighbors. Serve one another. And another one, be intentional in sewing. And I'm not the uh, machine sewing and making clothes, but I'm talking sowing seed. 
you know, planning things, giving things. Uh, I'm going to use three crises in the Bible I heard from another preacher, and they kind of stuck with me. But there's three situations about famines. One was in Nehemiah 5. They're going through a famine, and they're having to sell their houses. They're having to uh, give themselves up to slaves just to get food. And in verse 6, Nehemiah responds this way, When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you are charging your very own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them. And in verse 9, Nehemiah says, this is not right. We need to walk in the fear of the Lord. Stop charging and give back interest and start charging the interest, stop that and give back their fields and houses. And in verse 12, they agreed to it. This point I want to make is this is a time to sow into family. This was fellow Jews. It's a time to sow into your family members. It's a time to sow into this family of God. And I want to encourage you, if you're online or if you just kind of showed up today, find a church and be a part of that family. And I'm talking about being a productive part of that family. Does anybody have a family member that's not productive? I mean, I literally got a call this week from our answering service. said there's a, a lady on the line and uh, she says she needs help. She's several cities away, and she just needs to talk to somebody. I talked to her. Yeah, I need help. I'm in a, I'm in a situation. I need a hotel room. You know, I need some food. And I kind of listen, and, and my father is so-and-so, and you know him. And he goes to your church, and I need this help. So we got her some help for the hotel room and the food. And the next day, we called the family member, and they said, please don't help our child right now. She is almost 50 years old. She has literally burnt every bridge with every family member. She's on drugs. She's been taking money. She's been getting in fights with family members. And she just needs to get help. But she is just using people right now. And that's a shame. But I kind of think about as far as the church family. Are you a productive member of the church? I mean, are you doing something? Are you serving? Are you helping? Any? There's all kinds of ways to help and to serve or to give and do those things. Because we have elders right now and staff members that have been calling our church congregation during this time of crisis. How are you doing? And, I, and if they didn't call you, uh, let us know because there's always ways to fall through the cracks, especially with computers and databases. But are you even on it? If you're serving, you're on it. If you're giving, you're on it. And if you fill out one of those little cards, you'll be on it. And so kind of help us. If there is a need within this body, we need to know. Let us know so we can respond and at least help this family for sure. A lot of you during this crisis, we've had drop-off. You've been bringing food. You've been giving extra. You can always write benevolence and give, and it goes to help people. And we've been helping people every week. And so let us know so we can help you. So it's a time not only to, uh, sow, into, but to sow into family, but here's another one in Genesis 26. A famine going on, and Isaac sowed in the famine. And the Bible said he reaped a hundredfold. Not only a thing about giving, but more than that, Isaac sowed into his future. He sowed into himself in a sense. So this is a time you might need to sow into yourself. Invest in yourself. Get better in a certain area. In your business, use this time to uh, get a little more educated, whatever the case may be. My son does a lot of video and photography, and he got a drone, and he decided, okay, I need to get my drone's license to do this right. So he's just kind of bettering himself in that area. So this is a time to sow in yourself. Get better, stronger, healthier, smarter in an area. Sow into yourself. And one more, it's in Acts 11. Now, these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. 
And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine all over the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, every one of them, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. This is a time also to sow into other ministries, especially other ministries that are helping during this crisis, like our local ones, like Flower Acres Baptist Church, sowing into them. They're handing out literally tons of food every week. He gave me a number, and it's just staggering how much. And I just give praise to our church members. Our safety team stood up. Other people rallied around. They've been going early Monday morning, unloading semis, packaging it up. People, lines of cars are waiting there, and they're handing out food. Man, other ministries, missionaries right now need our help. And I just give God glory. You know, God's grace has been upon our church. And we need to not take that for granted. I mean, you've heard about uh, our new building at Gander Mountain. The givings is just continuing to increase. We've had one of the biggest offerings we had last week just for our regular tithes and offerings. That makes us stronger. And pastors just quickly responding to missionaries, and we're helping them more because they're in a time of need to help people right now. So it's a great time not only sow into your family, sow into yourself in areas, but sow into other ministries. Another more be intentional. Be more intentional about soul winning, about spreading the good news, telling people about Jesus. If there really is a heaven and a hell, and there really is, that ought to make us be concerned about other people that don't know about Jesus. Matter of fact, I'm going to say a little poem. Some of you heard it before. And it'll probably take me about 15 seconds to say it. And you can time if you want. But here's the poem. The hands of time are wound but once, and no man has the power to know just when the hands will stop at later early hour. To lose one's wealth is sad indeed. To lose one's health is more. But to lose one's soul is such a loss that no man can be, that no thing could be ignored. I was about 15 seconds. That meant 30 people just died in the time it took me to say that poll, that poem. 120 people die every minute. 7,425 people die every hour, and 178,000 people die every day. That's 65 million people a year that, like that, go into eternity. Heaven or hell, there's no holding place. It's one or the other. You're either right or you're not. You're either saved or you're not. It's not like I'm kind of saved, I kind of go to church. Well, you're pregnant or you're not. Are you a Christian? Are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? And we need to be asking that about people. We need to be sharing the good news. Uh, hopefully you can share your testimony, but man, at least take one of these little invites we got here and invite them to church. They'll hear the gospel there. Or just tell them something God's done in your life, something good about God. Give Him glory. And I tell you, God will show up in those midst of situations. Be more intentional about soul winning. Because sowing is about giving and rele- about giving, it's about releasing. And I pray that we'll be st- Fresh streams of living water. See, a swamp just takes it in and never gives. That's why it's dead and stinky and and slimy. And so we need to be giving. Lakes that give out, they're fresh lakes. So we need to give fresh living water. And the last S in the word crisis is show love. Say show love. I'm telling you, love is the light that compares to darkness. Love is the answer for racism. Love is how the world is going to know we're truly a Christian. They'll know us by our love. And like I read in that First Peter, we need to echo God's love. If you've really experienced God's love, what Jesus did on that cross, if you really experience that, it'll change your life. And then that, that love ought to be 
flowing out of us to other people. We ought to have compassion and love for other people. Let me read Romans 12, a few verses that will sum up my whole message, kind of echo what I've said. And the title of this, when you look in, my, in one of the versions, it says, Marks of a True Christian. Let's read. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. You know, as our worship team's coming up, man, what a time to be a light. It's dark out there, and it doesn't take a lot of light to make a difference, does it? I mean, you're in a very dark room, you just turn on your little phone, and man, it's amazing what can happen. Let's be a light. I want to ask you a question right now. Are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? You know, April 14, 1984, when somebody asked me that question, and I kind of thought about it a little bit, and I thought, man, will I go to heaven? Well, maybe, do I do more good than bad? Is that how it works? Do I talk my way in when I get there? You know, how does this work? And he shared four things that really turned the light on. It was, number one, God loves me and had a plan for my life. And I got my attention, man, there is a plan to this thing, and, and there's something more than just what I'm doing right now. And that guy drew a circle on his chest and said, you know, everybody has a hole in their life. That's called a God hole. You can try putting whatever you want in there. You can try putting sports and cars and money or girls. It'll never satisfy you. The only thing that will satisfy you is a relationship with God through Son, Jesus Christ. So that got my attention. He said, the second thing, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. God has to pay you a penalty for your sin and it's separation from God to a place called hell. Has anybody sinned? One hand. No. But if you were to tell a million lies, how many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? Just one. If you were to commit a million sins, how many sins do you commit to be a sinner? Just one. Have you ever told a little bit of lie? Whatever the case may be. But the last thing, he, the other thing he said, the third thing, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He paid the price. He went to the cross so we didn't have to. But here's the last thing that challenged me. I never heard. I was raised a Lutheran, and I had a, a catechism and, and a good foundation. But when I got to college, I just was living more like the devil. It was kind of in my head, and it didn't get down to my heart. But this thing hit me. He said, you have to individually ask Christ into your life. See, that's the part I didn't do. I was kind of waiting for something supernatural to happen, a bowl of lightning to stop me in my tracks, a voice for heaven that said, Mike, it's time to serve me. And I would have just said, okay, let's go. But you know what I realized that day? That it came down to a decision I had to make. That there was a knocking on my heart that day, and I think back there was probably a knocking a few other times. But this time I realized, man, I need to get things right with God. I need to invite Him into my life because He's not going to force His way in. He wants to be invited. And I needed to repent. I needed to turn from going this way and with his help to turn and go another direction. And so I ask you today, all over this room, online, wherever you may be, even in another country if possible, are you 100% sure if you died you'd go to heaven? If not, in just a moment, I'm going to count to three and ask you to stand to your feet. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Why? Because the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, Believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. And he said, basically, if you stand up for me, I'll stand up for you. If you deny me, I'll deny you. So this is an opportunity to make it real. So if you never ask Christ in your life, 
On the count of three, I want you to stand up. We're going to say a prayer right where you're at. And you're not voting for a church or voting for this message. What you're doing is you're saying, God, I want, I want you in my life. I'm giving you permission. Or maybe you've gotten off track and you need to get right with God. You need to get right and get God in your back in your life. So on the count of three, stand on your feet. We're going to say a prayer right where you're at. This is going to take some guts. But you know what? I'm telling you, God will show up. It'll change your life. One, two, three. If that's you, stand on your feet. If you need to get things right with God. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Come on. Give the Lord a hand clap. And you. And you. Amen. And you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to do one more thing. Hang in there. Stand up. Keep standing. You're a Christian, but you've never done something publicly. That's really what baptism is about. An outward sign of your inward faith. But I'm going to ask you today to just do something public and just kind of confirm that if you've never done something like this publicly. Because I'm telling you, it's a powerful thing. If that's you, stand up with them before we say a prayer. Anybody else? Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, man. I'm proud of all of you. Come on, give Jesus one more hand clap. Now, here's what we're going to do. I want us all to stand on our feet right now. We're going to say this prayer together. And those of you that stood up, what you're doing is this prayer is going to confess Jesus as Lord, and he's going to invite you into your life. And I want you to remember this day. You're going to look back and we see a change in your life. But it's very important what you do after this, that you get a Bible. If you don't have one, heaven will give you one. Try to stop by that cross on the way. I'll have somebody waiting there to give you a little packet with a little book on how to walk this Christian walk. I mean, start praying and talking to God, getting a good church. And I'm telling you, God's going to move on your behalf and change your life. Let's say this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me. Help me to change. Help me to turn and follow you. I'm going to need your help. So fill me with your power. Fill me with the Spirit of God and help me to follow you. And I thank you. Right now, my name is written in a book in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life. And I give you praise for that right now. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Now give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's what this is all about. Thank you, Jesus. Now what I said wasn't that hard. You can say that to somebody. You know, we're going to have, I'll say this one time, and it's up to your prayer team. I want you to come up around here before we close. And if you want prayer with something specific, they'll agree with you. You will open up all the doors. You're welcome to exit. But before we go, we're going to sing one more song. And I want you to think before we go. You know, I said a lot. But I hope what the Holy Spirit wants you to remember will stick with you. But I want you to, when I said that intentional, there's something that the Holy Spirit ask His help that you can be more intentional in this week. If it's just one thing you can take with you, if it's one thing you can do more intentional spiritually, then decide before you leave. Whether it's, I haven't been reading my Bible consistently, I will. I'll get on a plan. Or I'm going to start praying at a certain time. I'm telling you, prayer, if you have a specific time and place, it helps. Or I'll be more intentional in soul winning and spreading the gospel or, or helping other people. Whatever it is, take one thing and let the Lord help you in this. So we're going to worship one more time. Our altar team's coming up. And a reminder, this Wednesday night, we're going to have an hour of power. We're going to lift Jesus up and believe he's going to draw him in. And here's the thing. Uh, there's plenty of social distancing room on a prayer night. Usually only 1% to 5% of the people come. So there'll be plenty of room. You don't have to worry about anything. 
but not this Wednesday. It could be a little crowded, I got a feeling, because we know it's a time the church needs to pray. And so, Father, we want to thank you. Lord, we thank you for those that have given their life to you. Go with them. Fill them. Lord, let their life change. Lord, those of us that need to be better soul winners, help us. Lord, we want to thank you right now for those that are being healed right now. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise and glory. Let's sing together. Uh, Altar team will be here to pray with you. Stay here and hang out and worship as long as you'd like to stay. Uh, you can be dismissed at any time. If you need prayer for anything at all, please come up. We have our prayer team up front. Uh, but for everyone else, uh, just pray that you'd have a blessed day today. Amen.